All right, welcome to another episode of The National Pulse. I'm Raheem Kassam, editor-in-chief of thenationalpulse.com. And I thank you so much for tuning in, for subscribing, for sharing this podcast. We have some incredible news to bring for you today, so I'm glad you're here for it. It is Monday, February the 8th, the year of our Lord, 2021. I'll be dialing Natalie Winters, our senior reporter at the National Pulse, in very shortly. And of course, thanks to the people that don't like my production notes. I have a production note for you to kick off the show today I have slightly ever so slightly increased the gain on my microphone because some of you are complaining that the volume has been too low in comparison with your other podcast so I want your feedback if this works better for me it sounds a little loud in my ears but uh, I hope it works for you guys we're going to dive right in and dial in Natalie Winters into the conversation here because we have some big news over at the National Pulse that's coming out now as you listen to this and I want to make sure that we get it all explained to us in detail Natalie is that you? Yes, hello. <laughs> Whoa, that is coming in very hot. Natalie Winters, thank you for joining us here this afternoon on the National Pulse podcast. So the story is going to break on the site at around about the same time the podcast goes out. So people can both digest this in its raw form, uh, all of this stuff right here, right on this show. Or, or you can go through and check all of the links out. Because as I always say, Natalie, one of the things I'm very proud of uh, at the National Pulse is the fact that we provide evidence, screen grabs, archive information pdfs links backs to links backs <laughs> links back to documents uh that others in the uh, in the corporate media they just don't do there's a take our word for it way of reporting and ours is quite the opposite so the story that we're breaking here today as it is captioned on the headlined on the site is joe biden's new asia czar headlined a chinese communist linked event with the, quote, spy chief, Hunter Biden business partner. We told you this laptop and this audio would come back to haunt Hunter and a potential Biden regime. We told you that last year. That is now happening. So, Natalie, let's start at the very, very top of this. Who is Biden's new Asia czar? Sure. So who we're talking about now is Kurt Campbell who's currently serving as the Indo-Pacific coordinator within Joe Biden's National Security Council. He's also uh, an alum of the Obama administration, and he's very involved in the kind of pro-China lobbying group scene. Uh, he has a firm called Strat Asia, which provides consultancy to a lot of companies looking to do business in the country and has spoken at a host of conferences, much like the one we'll talk about it probably within the next minute that really take a, a pro-China, pro-Chinese Communist Party line. Kirk Campbell is one of these pieces of furniture around Washington, D.C. Some of the uh, types that people don't necessarily see as a, as a particular interest story, an intrigue story, or a particular threat to U.S. national security. But the truth is, I mean, Campbell has been around Washington, D.C. for decades. He's been at the Center for Strategic and International Studies, the Center for a New American Security, 
the Council on Foreign Relations, the WASAT Group, the International Institute for Strategic Studies, and of course the McCain Institute for International Leadership. And for the audience that doesn't understand these things, Natalie, this is these are million-dollar, if not multi-million-dollar organizations, entities that are in large part financed by, sponsored by both uh, U.S. big corporates, Ford Foundation types, and 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 so and you know, bigger, I mean, really the biggest corporates you see out there, banks and and hedge funds, etc. But also from foreign people, foreign investors, foreign donors, foreign governments, uh, in a lot of these ways, undergird this kind of think tank set, and they don't do it uh, for the sake of kindness. They're not there financing these things uh, in order to to help create better policy that encourages politicians to serve their constituents better right like that is not what's happening here what's happening is you have vested interest funding people to further their interest and that's where this Campbell guy that's the infrastructure that he comes from so let's talk about this event and and I, I want to start off by playing a section from Campbell's Kirk Campbell's very short clip from Kirk Campbell's speech here at the CEFC conference take a listen the United States has the deepest possible commitment in trying to establish a relationship that will be enduring and stable between the United States and China. You are definitely right in that Kurt Campbell is an ossified member of the D.C. swamp, trading off of his credentials from the Obama administration to leverage that into millions of dollars from these fixtures of the establishment, these think tanks. But one speech in particular that really piqued my interest, that is the topic of the story we're putting up today, or it's probably already up now, is that he spoke at an event, uh, the Sino-U.S. Colloquium, and the subheading and some of the... the <laughs> I'm pulling the story up now. I thought it would be up by the time we talked no, about No, no, no. But... <laughs> well, I'll tell you why it's not. I'll tell you why it's not. Because, Natalie, uh, and I hope you don't mind me letting the audience in on this, you <laughs> undersell your stories every time. So I will try to go through as slowly as possible. I know a lot of go people ahead. complain that I talk at warp speed, but what I we're do. talking about here is the event, <laughs> is the Sino-U.S. Colloquium Beyond the Current Depression. It was held in October of 2015 at the George Washington University, which is obviously located in Washington, D.C. So some of the panels that were here were really talking about the balance of the U.S.-China relationship. But when you dig down to who the panelists are, you see former Chinese Communist Party leaders, military uh, officials, and, and most notably, which also corresponds to the organization that hosted the conference, is Patrick of CEFC China Energy. Uh, and for avid followers of the National Pulse, you may remember Patrick Ho's name, uh, or as Hunter Biden likes to say, the effing spy chief of China, coming uh, up in a, a exclusive audio clip that we had obtained from Hunter's laptop talking about how he was, quote, in business with the effing spy chief of China, ostensibly a reference to Patrick Ho. So Patrick Ho serves as the, I believe it's the senior chairman, basically the director of the nonprofit arm of CEFC China Energy, which, if you remember back, was really that key uh, firm, that key company that Hunter Biden had been emailing back and forth with their leaders, providing them with wiring details, ex right. exchanging contracts. If you remember, Ye Jianming, who was the founder of the firm, uh, he had offered to pay Hunter $10 million a year for, quote, introductions alone. And this is the kind of, of type of person, 
Kurt Campbell, right, a fixture of the D.C. swamp, the type of person that uh, Patrick Ho and the CEFC China Energy Squad would have wanted to have been introduced to. Well, why? Let's let's. Why would the Chinese Communist Party and the groups that are affiliated with them, Natalie, have an interest in Washington D.C. insiders like like Campbell, who, as you say, uh, flits back and forth between the think tank world and the government world, and he is now back in the government world. And this is no small job, ladies and gentlemen. The, the, the National Security Council is as senior as it gets, and the Asia Brief is about as senior as it gets in there. So you have at the very top of this of this government, of this regime right now, the Biden regime, somebody who has committed themselves to establishing a, a effectively a quid pro quo uh, relationship with, with communist China. You know, he, they, they use euphemistic terms and phrases like it will be to everyone's benefit. But Natalie, has the U.S.-China relationship been to the benefit of ordinary <laughs> Americans over the last couple of decades? Obviously not. It manifestly has not. So what they're talking about to everyone's benefit, they mean the oligarchs in China and they mean the, the dictators in China and the oligarchs in America. That's everyone in their in their mind, right? That's that's not, you know, Bruce Springsteen can drive a Jeep out to Lebanon, Kansas all he wants and pose in a chapel for a Super Bowl commercial. But those are, it's nobody anywhere within the vicinity of Lebanon, Kansas, that benefits from from what what uh, I've even Jake I've forgotten his name here Campbell Kurt Campbell and Kurt Campbell. Campbell and 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 Patrick Ho are devising between them. Well, and not to go too off topic, but I also think that this you can kind of link it to that Time magazine, the sixty this piece rather the sixty five hundred word article where they keep using the term democracy and how they have to protect democracy and ensure democracy, but you really see a kind of misuse of that word, right? To them, democracy in a relationship means an outcome where only the establishment, only the elite, only the people who are running around D.C. in the think tank world are benefiting. But back to your original question about why the Chinese Communist Party would be so interested in meeting with people like Kurt Campbell, like other uh, alums of alumni of the Bush administration, other Obama administration-linked people, really, as you say, members of the the establishment, I think there, there's a two-pronged answer to that. One is the fact that history tends to repeat itself uh, in the sense that in, I believe it was 2018 or 2019, uh, Patrick Ho, again, this is the, quote, spy chief of China per Hunter Biden, mm. was actually indicted by the Department of Justice for schemes to, quote, bribe top officials for business advantages and then he used the CEFC committee, uh, which again hosted this conference at GW, uh, to quote conceal his criminal scheme. So you see that this is wow. really what the, right. So this is what the Chinese Communist Party does, and it's what we've been talking about for months at the National Pulse. These infiltration and influence operations, epitomized, I would say, best by those uh, foreign exchange trips taken by congressional leaders, taken by members of the media. Um, so that is why they would be so interested in someone like Kurt Campbell. Yes. Uh, oftentimes it's, you know, under the table deal, something along those lines. But yeah, no, it's a, it's a really a jarring image. I, I encourage people to not only read the article, but to I, I believe the, the clips of, of him speaking there are embedded and oh, you can see yeah. him. You know, 
you know, oh, on yeah. stage now, now, next to Patrick Ho. Next to, and that's next to the, the effing yeah. spy chief of China. <laughs> this is Hunter Biden's words with a firm that Hunter Biden claimed to be the, what, managing director of? I have another New York Times reporter calling about my representation of the, literally, Dr. Patrick Ho, the spy chief of China who started the company that my partner, who was worth $323 billion, found it and is now missing. Natalie. I believe he said unequivocally, and he used unequivocally with no room for different opinions or interpretation, uh, I am the managing director of CEFC China Energy, which in and of itself has ties to the Chinese military. Uh, if you look on their website, which obviously has been taken down now, all this reporting is done from archived versions of websites, you see the communist hammer and sickle, the Chinese Communist Party flag, ways to promote party devotion. Wow. So this is a completely an arm of the Chinese Communist Party. And even CNN admitted it. They described the, the charity arm, which I believe is an NGO, and the UN praised as like a, a premier... A charitable organization, which is a whole other story to get into, but as a quote, vessel of the Chinese Communist Party. It's interesting. CNN and all these establishment media organizations like to, at first, you know, a couple years before the hard drive comes out, slam these organizations that you can link the Chinese Communist Party to. And then a few years later, once you trace Biden uh, regime members or Hunter Biden or the Biden family to them, all of a sudden, you know, we don't know anything about it. Oh, there's no ties right. to the Chinese Communist Party. So it's, right. it's interesting. It's, it's extraordinary. And this, you know, when I see stories like this, Natalie, and all credit to you for finding this story, only only marginal credit to me for tidying it up. But <laughs> when I see stories like this, it blows my mind that this isn't the, the front page of the newspapers. And, and pardon me for being so naive and being so normy in the sense that I think that newspapers could still carry real stories about uh, you know endemic corruption at the very top of government, the New York Times, the Washington Post, all of these papers that exist to so-called report all the news that's fit to print, ignore stories like this, and then therefore, and it's still the case, ladies and gentlemen, whether you believe me or not, whether you want to believe it or not, that most people in the United States Congress, most people in your state house, most people working in and around these these uh, uh, facilities, this governance structure in the United States, they still pick up the copy of the New York Times every morning. And once they get to about page eight or page nine, they consider that they know all the news they need to know for that given day and they act accordingly. So when you see stories like this up at the National Pulse and you hear a podcast like this, your job is to send it to your representative. Your job is to make sure that it goes in front of them, they see it. And I couldn't care less if it's their communication staff or their research staff or their policy staffer or their chaiwala i don't care the point is these people make efforts to ignore these types of stories because they do not play even the most even the most america first maga type people that you know they find it difficult to still filter through all the noise served to them by the big corporate media so do yourselves and everybody else and the country and the western civilization a favor 
This is the biggest story. They, you, you have somebody in senior government dealing with the Asia brief right now who spoke next to what Hunter Biden called the effing spy chief of China at an event sponsored by a Chinese Communist Party affiliated front group. This is an organization that was indicted for attempting to bribe government officials at the very high end. And Natalie, as we speak, I'm looking at a new story up on the Times of London website. And the headline is hundreds of UK academics investigated over weapons links to China. You get into this story and the byline is one Billy Kenba. Billy Kenba is an absolute shark. I know because Billy Kenba used to investigate us during the whole Brexit campaign <laughs> and pre that. I know what getting an email from Billy Kenba is. I don't like him. I think he's a creep, but he, he will go through people's garbage to get the stories. The story says almost 200 British academics are being investigated on suspicion of unwittingly helping the Chinese government build weapons of mass destruction. This is the paper of record for the United Kingdom, the Times of London. Natalie, I think, I think, and the reason I have to go, had to go on that little rant is to tee up something that you spotted over the weekend that, again, very many people don't see. And that was what Joe Biden's words were in his pre-Super Bowl interview when he was asked about his relationship with Xi Jinping, when he was asked about the Chinese Communist Party, when he was asked about democracy in China. Jen Psaki, by the way, today, my favorite programming thing of, of the day, every weekday, Jen Psaki was up there and she was asked explicitly today, Monday, February the 8th, Jen Psaki was asked, what is the number one national security threat facing the United States? And she didn't give an answer. She literally said, I'm not going to get into that. So Natalie, it's clear to most people that China and the Chinese Communist Party is the greatest national security threat that the United States faces. And, and, and my question to you is, what did Joe Biden say this weekend? And, 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 and what did he mean when he, when, he, when he refused to say certain things about Xi Jinping? Why haven't you called Xi Jinping? Well, we haven't had occasion to, to talk to one another yet. There's no reason not to call him. I probably spent more time with Xi Jinping, I'm told, than any world leader has because I, I had 24, 25 hours of private meetings with him when I was vice president, traveled 17,000 miles with him. I know him pretty well. There's a lot to talk about. A lot to talk about. A whole lot to talk about. And um, he's very bright. He's very tough. Um, he doesn't have, and I don't mean this as a criticism, just a reality, he doesn't have a democratic small d bone in his body. But he is, um, the question is, I've said to him all along, that uh, we need not have a... Uh, 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 conflict, but there's going to be an extreme competition. And uh, I'm not going to do it the way that he knows this, because he's been sending signals as well, that I'm not going to do it the way Trump did. We're going to focus on international rules of the road. I mean, <laughs> it's just, it's absolutely bizarre. It is bizarre. I, I, I mean, he has obviously called Xi Jinping bright many times in the past. I'm inclined to think of when he visited a Confucius Institute in Los Angeles, which if you uh, remember, we just put up a story about how the Biden regime secretly rolled back uh, restrictions and, and regulations that required academic institutions to disclose funding and contracts that they had with Chinese Communist Party funded Confucius Institutes. But I mean, I, I think that it should be a criticism to say that Xi Jinping 
is not democratic. I think you should feel feel comfortable saying that. Right. And, and it's just this this tip. I mean, there's so many levels to un- unpack here. Obviously, we support democracy. That's the first level. But secondly, you should be able to criticize yeah. uh, Xi Jinping. Yeah, and are... I've seen Bi- yeah, I've seen Biden up there criticizing so many other foreign leaders, criticizing uh, President Trump, criticizing Republicans, criticizing. Everyone, everyone, except (laughs) Xi Jinping. No, literally everyone except there are two people in the world that Joe Biden will never criticize. And one is Xi Jinping and the other is Hunter Biden. Right. That is just a fact. And and those two things should alarm everyone, given what Hunter Biden has been involved in with, with the CCP, given everything we know. And by the way, I will say this again for the new audience out there. Welcome to the show. We like to coach people up in terms of the information. So so. It's one of those things. It's what uh, what Marty McFly said at the Enchantment Under the Sea dance in Back to the Future 2. You know, you've got to keep up and watch us for the change. So watch us for the changes here because, Natalie, you just mentioned something something else about this whole, uh, this whole debacle that's going on right now. This is the Communist Party of China's propaganda in U.S. schools, something that the Trump administration went out of its way to explicitly, sorry, explicitly ban or prescribe by forcing them to declare when it was happening. And you're telling me that without a single bang news headline, a single chyron, a single front page of a newspaper, the Biden regime has allowed China to propagandize in American schools again. Yeah, all the way down to the kindergarten level. Now, any institution that takes funds from the Chinese Communist Party, uh, really propaganda arm known as Confucius Institutes, will no longer be required to disclose these funds. And I also think an interesting angle on this piece, too, I was thinking more about it because we've done such great, in my opinion, reporting on the Confucius Institutes. I, I really took it personally when he rescinded this policy. But if you remember, a, a few months back, a host of American universities, especially the top tier Ivy League universities like Penn, Yale, especially Harvard, uh, they refused to disclose their financials, not necessarily Confucius Institute linked, but the millions, if not in, in total, some billions of dollars that they've taken in from foreign governments. And one of the institutions that was particularly of interest for American lawmakers was Penn, the University of Pennsylvania, which Biden hosts a Penn Center for Global Diplomacy there. So the Biden family and the the Biden name is very embedded within these American institutions and these colleges that have ostensibly benefited from uh, foreign money and, and foreign cash flows. It's extraordinary. It's extraordinary. Natalie, anything more we should know before we let you go here on, on any of these stories? Um, I think maybe one last thing from his interview with CBS that really got my blood boiling when when he said uh, again for what seems to be the eighth time uh, about how he has the most private uh, meetings with Xi Jinping out of any leader in the Western world, out of any leader in the history of the United States and just the ability that he feels that he can the tables were turned. Imagine if President Trump had bragged about having the you know, longest over 25 hours of private meetings with Vladimir Putin. The media would never have given that arrest. They would play it up every single time. Yet the media spins that as, wow, Joe Biden really knows what he's doing when he's dealing with the Chinese Communist Party because he's a friend of Xi Jinping. So just the, the media is, as you know, we talk about all the time, just 
They well, totally complicit. neglect well, and any duty. It's, it's yeah, not, it's not neglect, Natalie. Come on, it's willful, right? So it's complicity. And and just before we let you go, I want to I want you to remind us why and how it's complicity. CNN, all of these guys, they actually run. And I know for the new audience who's listening to this, because a lot of people are finding us just because we're so high up on the podcast rankings. And I thank the audience for subscribing and sharing and getting your friends in on this as well. The more you subscribe across more platforms, it drives us up, helps more people find us. And to the more people finding us, and you might not be on the political right, you might not be anything at all, you may be thinking, what the heck is this guy talking about that the US media is complicit with the Chinese Communist Party? Natalie Winters, why don't you tell us? Sure. So there's an organization called QCEF, which is the China-United States Exchange Foundation. Similarly to CEFC China Energy, they derive funding from the Chinese Communist Party, and they've sponsored in exchange for, quote, favorable coverage, uh, a host of trips to China to visit with Chinese Communist Party officials and military leaders, with writers, reporters, editors from virtually every single mainstream, even non-mainstream, even small local news outlets within the American media landscape, CNN, Reuters, BBC, AP, Financial Times, MSNBC, uh, really the list does go on. So this is when you, when you talk about compromise. Doesn't uh, CNN and, and run a school? Doesn't CNN run a Marxism journalism school with, with the Chinese yes. Communist Party? And there's also a revolving door between CNN and CGTN, which is a Chinese state-run media outlet. A lot of former CNN talent go on to work for that outlet. But the journalism school that you're talking about, which in its uh, own description, it is self-avowedly a, quote, Marxist journalism school that basically trains all the people who then write propaganda pieces for these state-run media outlets. It enjoys financial support and internships and donations from outlets including Bloomberg and CNN Basically, every, quote, respectable and reputable uh, a news outlet that you hear is in bed with the Chinese Communist Party one way or another. And we'll be bringing you all of the details as we get them. It's going to be a long old four years if your name is Joe Biden. If your name's Hunter Biden, you won't even know what year it is. So you're fine there. Natalie, thank you so much for joining us here today on another episode of The National Pulse. Cheers. That's Natalie Winter, senior reporter over at thenationalpulse.com. It's one of the first times ever that in order for that story to make sense, I actually I am going to, and therefore by the time you hear this, did edit that in post-production because I wanted to bring you the clips in real time. And for whatever reason, I can't have Natalie, some audio geek out there is laughing to himself right now, but I can't have Natalie in on the FaceTime while playing the clips from the same device because one takes priority over another. So what you're hearing there is uh, the, what you heard there is the uh, is the efforts of our post-production team, i.e., me, me. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I want to pivot now because, of course, we have an impeachment trial coming up and we've got more details about the impeachment trial as we know it. Four hours worth of debate that we're expecting tomorrow, 16 hours of presentations that we're expecting on Wednesday, Thursday and into the weekend, perhaps. They're talking about a special Sunday session. And of course, we now know the new details of Thank you, Time Magazine. The new details of the secret history behind the steal that took place on November the 3rd. Again, for the middle-of-the-road, moderate, non-MAGA, mainstream audience that I know is increasingly listening to alternative sources of information, this one and the war room included, 
please hear us out. And, and remember, these are the words of Time magazine. They use the word conspiracy. They use the word powerful cabal. They show how the U.S. Chamber of Commerce and the big union interest at the AFL-CIO came together in an unholy alliance to force somebody from political elected political office in the United States by using all sorts of things that are unconstitutional. Unconstitutional thing took place. And I get that a lot of people want to deep dive into the Dominion systems and the machines and, and, and the data and all of that. So do I. If I could go and play around with a Dominion machine, I'd be there with bells on. But we do not have that opportunity yet. And plenty of great people are working on bringing people the opportunity. So in the meantime, what I always say is deal with the facts as they are in front of you. Do not you do not need to delve into fantasy land. You don't need to invent things. You don't need to follow, you know, the, the what if trail of events here. The reality is crazy and and complicit enough in the steel of November the 3rd. And that's where, what takes us back to the unconstitutionality of the changes that were made to how people were allowed to vote and how their votes were counted on November the 3rd. You were not without approval of the state legislatures to change the way people can vote, and yet that was done across the country. Thanks to money from the CTCL group funded by Mark Zuckerberg. Go ahead and check that out if you haven't seen that already. And so what is my wider point here? Well, the wider point here, ladies and gentlemen, is that we actually have on our side a perfect storm of facts, a, a fact pattern that proves beyond belief, that proves beyond any doubt, that proves beyond anything you could have ever imagined in your life, that something remarkable and devious and never seen before happened in the 2020 election. And whether or not you think that, okay, well, that's the new normal, and the Democrats have decided that that's the new normal, and that's how the playing field is now, and you can't do anything to change it, you just have to fight them at that level, or whether you think we need to somehow strip away all of these different things that they've built in, and believe me, I have no idea where we even start with that, given that these machines are going to be used everywhere, and given that the new COVID restrictions are going to be in place, they say, for several years in some of the states, maybe across the entire country, so, so my attitude is always fight them on the battleground that they've created. Because even if they're f then you're further down the road than them, well, that means you're ahead. You know, even if you go further than they have, you're, you're in a better position. Whereas if you're trying to kind of retroactively change things back to the way that they were without having, remember, no Congress, uh, no House of Representatives, no Senate control, no control in the White House you open yourself up to wasting a lot of time and wasting a lot of effort. And that's not to say that things can't be done at a local level. They absolutely can. And for the conservative states and conservative governors in the conservative states out there, Ken Paxton, uh, as uh, in the, the AG in Texas, and Ron DeSantis, the governor in Florida, and all of these guys should be and are, as I understand it, taking steps to rectify a lot of the things that they can do. But remember... Democrats wanted to nationalize this election and nationalize the election they did. Some would argue that they internationalized the election. <laughs> I, I don't necessarily even believe that. But we're dealing with something on a different level here. So when you look at this impeachment trial that's coming up this week, and you might, you might dismiss it at first, 
out of hand and go, what's the point? This isn't a, a constitutional impeachment anyway. President Trump is unlikely to be convicted. Unlikely. Not, by the way, not a 0% chance, but uh, uh, or rather a 100% chance, but unlikely to be convicted here. And then on top of that, you look at all the constituent parts around it. What does it mean for the future of, of Donald Trump in politics? Which I know a lot of you, I was going through, by the way, the 25,000 plus messages that you all have left at thankstrump.org. It's a domain that we set up so that people can leave messages. They can't tweet at President Trump anymore. So people can leave thank you messages. And you know, I went through to find negative sentiment out of 25,000 messages that people have left at thankstrump.org. There are about 12, I'm not kidding you, about 12 or maybe 13 negative messages that either said, you know, F you or F off or we're glad you're gone or... I was expecting at least a hundred, couple of hundred of infiltrators who would come in there and leave nasty messages. But it's incredible when you think that we're supposed to believe that Joe Biden is the most popular president there ever was. And meanwhile, I can set up a domain and overnight get 25,000 people, minus 12 or 13, leaving just these amazing heartfelt messages of support for President Trump. And we will be delivering them to him. I'm actually going to try and print every single one out. That'll get the climate change nuts angry print every single page out as a note in and of itself and deliver them to president trump at mar-a-lago and you think all of those things all of those things and i'm sorry i'm jumping around here a lot today i'm really excited about where this week is going because it gives us the opportunity to robustly and resoundingly uh, reject the mainstream media narratives from January the 6th, the mainstream media narratives of November the 3rd, the mainstream media narratives about so much that we were caught. And I've got to tell you, I wasn't caught on the back foot on any of these things. I've been writing at the National Pulse for over a year about how this was going to go down. We, we broke the news about the Transition Integrity Project that now Time Magazine is alluding to. We broke the news about the Hunter Biden laptop from hell and CEFC and the effing spy chief of China. We told you that. The NationalPulse.com told you that. If I worked at the New York Times, I would have four or five Pulitzer Prizes under my belt right now. I'm not even kidding when I say that. That sentence has never even even occurred to me to say before but i just thought about it in real time and it's extraordinary we would absolutely have that we would be given awards we would be the you know natalie winters would be getting awards you know just just like you wouldn't believe if she was at the new york times or the washington post and and, and these stories were coming up about donald trump jr or donald trump right that's a fact if China were Russia, if Xi Jinping were Putin, in all, instead, you've got Carol Cadwallader. I don't know how many of you know who Carol Cadwallader is, but she is an overt conspiracy theorist, a liar that writes for the Guardian Observer newspapers in the United Kingdom and alleges that me and Steve Bannon and Nigel Farage and Donald Trump and, and everyone in this milieu, everyone is a Russian agent. And she has received the Orwell Prize for Journalism. She has had to actively retract stories. She has had to pay, pay people who she has libeled and smeared and defamed. And she is given the Orwell Prize for Journalism. But meanwhile, we can report to you every single thing. Over the last year, almost every single thing that has taken place we brought you the CTCL story with Zuckerberg back in, back last September or October. Everything that's taken place 
Now listen, I'm not in this for the plaudits. I'm not here for a, you know, I wouldn't even, I don't even have a mantelpiece to put. It's, my mantelpiece has a bust of Winston Churchill on it, and that's not coming down. So I don't even have a mantelpiece place to put a Pulitzer. Try saying that. <laughs> Try saying that five times in a row. But my point is this. The wider point is that the corruption is so endemic within media. I was reading, did you guys see, did you see, and I've gone on way further than I than I intended to go today, but did you see, and I've also got more stories to bring you, Glenn Greenwald's Substack, I, I guess it's just called a Substack? Is it called a Substack blog post or is it just a Substack? His Substack slash <laughs> slash Substack blog post. It's probably just a Substack about the what he called the creepy the state. What do he call the state enforcement officers? The Stasi, effectively. And he talks about these, you know, quote unquote reporters out there that sit in these disinformation units at NBC News and the New York Times and CNN. He talks about Brian Stelter and Oliver Darcy and Brandy Zadrozny and all of these others who make it their jobs to basically go around on the internet, whether it's Facebook or Patriots.win or 4chan or Reddit or whatever, and they go around the internet and they look for somebody using a word that they shouldn't use. Or they look for somebody who says something that's out of line with the narrative being spun by the media. And then they shame them. They use the power and leverage of the corporate apparatus above them. Remember, CNN is owned in... in, 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 in you know, above itself by one of the largest corporations in the world. And they use that corporate power to bear down, to bear down on Apple for having my podcast up, to bear down on individuals for saying things that are outside of, you know, what comes out of the uh, New York professors' radical Marxist lectures that these people have been attending for the last five years before they suddenly go and get a job as the editor of the disinformation unit at NBC. This is what they do, and they're, they're hall monitors. They're hall monitors. This isn't journalism. Going through people's Facebook accounts and shaming them is not journalism. At best, it's doxing, especially if the person doesn't have a public profile. And, and th this is what passes for reporting nowadays and, and we steer as clear away from that unless there is a public interest in the story steer as clear away from that as humanly possible however there is somebody with a public profile who was very public who sat in front of the impeachment chamber last time around last year and her name is Pamela Carlin she was put up there as a as an independent witness Pamela Carlin and back then we went to look at who is this Pamela Carlin? Doesn't that, didn't ring any bells? Well, Pamela Carlin, who now, by the way, or rather just until recently, sat on the Facebook oversight board. Pamela Carlin is actually an anti-white. Yes, she has made very derogatory comments about white people. Professor, liberal, hard, hard, hard left liberal, who has just been appointed to Joe biden's justice department carlin is going to serve as principal deputy assistant attorney general in the civil rights division of joe biden's justice department i want you to take a listen take a listen to what people like pamela carlin go around saying we have to seize back the high ground on patriotism and on love of our country because we have more reason than they do to love America. The rich, 
pampered, prodigal, sanctimonious, incurious, white, straight sons of the powerful do pretty well everywhere in the world, and they always have. But what about us? Snarky, bisexual Jewish women who want the freedom to say what we think, read what we want, and love whom we do. So who is stopping you, snarky Jewish woman, in, in your own words, Pamela Carlin, and there's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> you can be as snarky and as Jewish as you like. Who is stopping you? Firstly, nobody's stopping you being snarky. Nobody's stopping you being Jewish. Who is stopping you from reading what you like and saying what you like? You did it just there. You did it in front of an audi- a swanky audience of very rich donors at the American Constitution Society. And why did you have to mention the word white? Why did you say the white people always do very well? I mean, I understand, Pamela, that you're trying to drive a racial divide, but you're pretty white in my eyes. Pamela Carlin. It's not exactly Raheem Kassam, is it? Pamela Carlin, who is complaining, bemoaning in that speech that she is somehow under white people, that she doesn't get the opportunities that white people get, is now a senior person in the Biden regime, at the the, the very top of government. She was taken into the Senate chamber last time for the impeachment trial. You know, you actually have more access, more power, more anything than than most people. I mean, probably more money. She's a very well-paid lawyer. And that's fine. She may be a very good lawyer. She maybe deserve every single penny of that. But most people don't make that money. And most people don't have that access. And most people don't have that power. And most people aren't getting these big, cushy government jobs, Pamela. So how dare you? How dare you? And lastly, ladies and gentlemen, I want to bring you this super cut. I want to bring this super cut of um, media reporting. Media reporting into the... Um, dead police officer Brian Sicknick. Brian Sicknick who laid in state or laid in honor at the US Capitol died on 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 January the 6th or, or or maybe just thereafter. Details still not really particularly well known, but that didn't stop the media from leveraging and politicizing the death of Brian Sicknick. No, I want you to listen to this. And then I'm going to tell you something that maybe you don't know yet, but you should. For him today, he died as a result of the January 6th mob attack on the U.S. Capitol. This is after a rioter hit him in the head with a fire extinguisher. The Capitol Hill Police Headquarters there. It is in remembrance of Officer Brian Sicknick. He died from injuries after being struck in the head by a fire extinguisher during the storming of the Capitol. Officer and veteran Brian Sicknick killed as a result of Wednesday's chaos. Officials investigating reports that he was attacked with a fire extinguisher. An altercation with some of the rioters that Officer Sicknick was struck in the head with a fire extinguisher. Officials investigating reports that he was attacked with a fire extinguisher. Riders hit him in the head with a fire extinguisher, and that was the cause of his death. Of Capitol Police Officer Brian Sicknick have been looking into reports that he may have been hit with a fire extinguisher. For him today, he died as a result of the January 6th mob attack on the U.S. Capitol. This is after a rioter hit him in the head with a fire extinguisher. So that is just a few, a very few 
supercut kind of thing of the media reports into the death of Brian Sicknick. They said in in a lot of cases that you just heard there, in some they say it's reported, but in some they just say, hey, this is how Brian Sicknick died. Full stop. That's it. And there are more. There are so many more. I wish we could put all of them for you into one clip. Anderson Cooper and all of these Democrats. Ted Lieu goes up there and says it. Brianna Keeler. Lots of people. Lots of these news anchors. Facts first. News anchors go up there and they just report this as fact. And then CNN last week quietly sneaks out a report onto its website not on the front page, not that I could see anyway, not on the front page, didn't get any big chirons, any big breaking news flashes, any updates, any mere culpas, any corrections, any apologies. CNN posts, according to one law enforcement official, medical examiners did not find signs that the officer sustained any blunt force trauma, so investigators believe that early reports that he was fatally struck by a fire extinguisher are not true. Do you need me to read that again? I will. Quote, according to one law enforcement official, medical examiners did not find signs that the officer sustained any blunt force trauma. So investigators believe that early reports that he was fatally struck by a fire extinguisher are not true. Now, remember, this is a a, a man whose family outwardly called immediately afterwards for his death to not be used and not be politicized. And that's all we've seen of his death so far. And now we're coming to learn that the news media has been lying about the cause of death for Brian Sicknick for so long. And it makes me sick to my stomach. Can, can you imagine if that was one of your family members? Can, and my, honestly, if anybody in the Sicknick family or knows anybody in the Sicknick family is hearing this, please, I am, I am just so, so sorry. And I'm, I am I share your what you must be feeling right now about this. Imagine I just imagined for a minute when I was first reporting the story. I imagined, hey, what if this was my father that the media was using to do this, and it just said something and repeated the lie over and over again. It turned out not to be true. And then it occurred to me, what if it was me? I don't have any children at the moment. But it occurred to me how, how awful that must be to see his face on television and know that the media is using it as a cudgel to keep driving a wedge through America. You can see and read all of these stories. We've got them all up at the nationalpulse.com and I really uh, I really want to thank you for tuning in. I want to thank you for um for sharing these stories because this is this is an information battle that we are fighting right now. Oh, a a war that's being fought against us. We didn't ask for this fight. Nobody wants to be lied to. Nobody wants to have to disagree with people over the the either the tiniest of details or the largest of news narratives. It is a total waste of my life doing this i wish i didn't have to do it but i have to do it because somebody has to sit here and tell the truth we cannot live in a world which is just built on lies a foundation of full utter 
demonstrable. This is the worst thing about it, is it's so in your face. They do not even care if you catch them. That's what really annoyed me about this story as well, the Brian Sicknick story. Nobody's issued a correction. Nobody's issued an apology. The CNN Public Relations Department has said nothing. They haven't ran anything on television. There's no notes on their website. They haven't apologized to the family. This is a sickness. We are in a sick, sick society now. So I have to. I have to sit here. I have to report the truth. And I'm so glad that you're in this with us as well. I want to thank you for tuning in today. Uh, make sure you are subscribed, you are sharing. If you want to support our work and our investigations, as so many people are beginning to, and we want to become big. We want to become uh, you know, something that the left really, I mean, I tell you, I know they listen. I know they listen to this. I know they listen to the war room. I know they do. But let's give the, keep giving them things to worry about. We are over the target. If you want to support us, head on over to thenationalpulse.com forward slash support. Alternatively, you can go to fundrealnews.com. All right, I'm Raheem Kassam. I will speak to you again tomorrow.